0: Welcome back. In today's episode, we'll be touching on how to ensure that your coach is a good fit for you. But before we get into today's episode, it was a massive weekend for bodybuilding, both in terms of the Olympia and the WBFF. So let's touch on the Olympia over the weekend. Nicole, give us a rundown.
1: Yeah, so I love Olympia weekend. I cannot wait to be able to go and watch it in person. But historically in our household, we watch the live stream. Um, so watching all the categories and it's like it's
0: like a super bowl
1: (laughs) it it is it pretty much is so it's like a a long extended date weekend I even pulled out my uh walking pad and hit my steps while I was watching a few of the categories too but very (laughs) upfront exactly gonna make sure that we get that cardio in even though bodybuilding goals but um (laughs) I think um, we had some interesting predictions. I put a poll up on our Instagram page to see what our listeners were thinking in regards to who was going to make top five. So, really cool to see everyone's opinions there. And it was a very interesting competition. Um, I am very excited to see Jen Dory take back her. Olympia win after losing it last year to our second place winner Maureen Jenna is my absolute favorite bikini Olympian um has been for many years she has the epitome of bikini shape and she finally found her balance in regards to her conditioning and brought out a new bikini look so I guarantee Everyone's going to be wearing the teal, mint, green <laughs> in these year's yeah. shows, which is awesome. In. yeah. It's like, it's how it goes, right? We saw Maureen win and wear that beautiful hot pink and then all of a sudden hot pink is all over the shows. Hot pink's
0: out, teal's in.
1: <laughs> it, it's, it's like, it's like a little, like, I don't know, like, it's almost like a... Um, you, you see it and you're like I've got to go I've got to do it I've got to do it like it, it's great I like I love it I think it's it's awesome and it's nice to see people revamp themselves even though they're at that elite level and try to bring a different element to their stage package and presentation by making those like, kind of like small adjustments but just like bringing a bit more wow factor um, which is really cool so congratulations to Jen and I have to say um, top three were like Pretty much where I had them placed, I was unsure whether it would go first or second for Maureen or Jen because both have beautiful shape, really lovely hourglass figures, really round, muscly, feminine-looking Uh, physiques and I I dare say it would have been a really hard call on that journey panel but we also had a few predictions for Laura Lee and Amy DeGaldo taking it out as well so Amy is definitely an up-and-coming competitor and I think that she has potential in the next couple of years Um, and then Laura Lee is like a crowd favorite and I think it has to go with like She's got the wow factor, that's for sure. But um, she always brings a beautiful package and presentation. Interesting posing routine this season. I believe she had some assistance with a um a client that was a boring dancer. So oh. interesting to see where you can get some, I guess, um, I guess, oh, like transfer
0: just, of skills almost. It, it,
1: it's almost it is, yeah. Like I, I think it's really nice to see that you can. Um, be influenced by someone else in, in a way, in a different way to move. And I would imagine that she's probably going to be a mentor for a lot of women to also showcase something similar in their posing routine. So we'll probably see that becoming a bit of a trend. Mm-hmm. I know that like she was one of the ones that was the pinnacle of that little butt sweep kind of thing that <laughs> kind of happened for a while. Um, so no doubt we'll see a new trend fall um, with that. But I do think that uh, she's definitely pushing the boundaries when it comes to muscularity and no doubt she'll be taking on the feedback that she probably needs to downsize. Um, So it's good to see that they've been consistent with shape and awarding a really feminine look again this year. So it's really nice to see them not pushing the boundaries and just continuously getting bigger, really showcasing what they want and being really clear in communication with that. So I think it's really cool and I think um, as a coach, being able to study and research at the elite level is really important so this is like something that I'm really passionate about and and I continuously develop myself on so that kind of leads into really well like our topic that we're talking about today as well but we also have some other news that is a little bit more local so Alana tell us about what's happening with WBFF.
0: So WBFF happened over the weekend on the Gold Coast. I was actually away for a weekend away. So I was surrounded by very muscular and tan people. I actually wasn't going for the WBFF show. I was just going for a weekend away. I was wondering why my accommodation was so expensive. That <laughs> <weekend>. Were you <laughs> in the
1: same hotel?
0: I must have been, yeah. I was near the Star Casino. So that's where it's held. And I just, yeah, had no idea it was on that weekend. Um <laughs> But anyway, there's been big news with WFF. I thought I'd just first touch on placings, I guess. So, in the bikini category, Tani Sheehan won the Pro Bikini Australian Champion, Abby Slavin, Pro Wellness Australian Champion, Hattie Boydell, Pro Wellness Australian Champion, and then... Connie Grossmith, Pro Diva figure, Australian champion, which is super exciting. I absolutely love following all of these ladies on social media and just keeping up to date with their journeys. So even though I wasn't there to actually watch the show personally, I was definitely
1: um <laughs> stalking my Instagram feed. Refreshing absolutely. it every 30 seconds. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> pretty much just what my entire day revolves around on show days is just (laughs) watching how all the competitors are doing but yeah like yourself i just absolutely love watching it and just seeing the standard i guess each year i just feel like it keeps evolving each and every Mm -hmm. year and it's just so incredible to watch it's just so motivating too definitely makes me miss my competing days but in other news WBF wbff australia has now rebranded to fmg which stands for fitness muscle glamour so obviously with all of the controversy overseas in america with the wbff wbff australia have decided to transition away from wbff so they've made way for fmg which i think ultimately was the best outcome for the australian athletes and i think it's really exciting i'm honestly really keen to just see how the fmg ev- evolves over time um and i also think that not having marketability as part of the judging criteria is a really positive change because i think in the past it i, I can't remember the exact percentage but i know that the marketability portion took I'm up quite it was big percentage. i feel like it was like 70% don't quote that me, me. But
1: it was was something really high, uh, which made... I I remember uh, Alicia Gowns mentioning it had been about 20 to 30% when I was at a seminar a few years ago. I just pulled that number out. That might not be correct either, so please don't quote us on those. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting because that is the only federation within Australia that has a score that's outside of what you showcase on the day. Mm. So for context for listeners, um, that's really insightful because that could mean that your overall placing could be affected by your ability to maybe showcase a brand in a particular way, whereas Mm -hmm. I think it's cool that they're taking that away as well and then it just becomes more about what you're representing and how that reflects on the criteria. And I believe they're also aligning with scorecards um, as well. Is that right?
0: I'm fairly sure that's correct, yeah. but once again, do you yeah. me he on may, it?
1: We might need some more information. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: but I definitely think that it's such a positive change because ultimately when you work so hard for a show, you don't want that to be impacted by the fact that you may not have as many followers as someone else. I think that that should just be completely, they say that it doesn't come into account, but I think there's definitely politics surrounding that Um I feel as though a lot of I just I guess what I've heard in the industry with WBFF is that it was favored if people had a larger following. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if that's true or not but obviously that's not something that you want to even have to consider while you're prepping. Um so yeah, personally I think that that's a really a really smart move for them to move away from that.
1: Yeah. I agree. I think um it showcases fair sportsmanship, fair judging and the ability for you really to be able to feel confident in what you're showcasing and know that you know you really are just being marked solely on on, on what you're presenting which is, is awesome, right? yeah like um, regardless of what you do in your journey to get to to prep whether like just in the sense of prepping for the show or what you do in your day-to-day or what your occupation might be or, or what your social position is you know um I think that's It's much more advisable to be looking at it, definitely from this perspective of it being a sport.
0: Mm, You want it to be a level playing field as well. You don't want to feel like someone else has an advantage because, you know, they may work in the industry or they have a following or whatever else. So definitely should just be solely on the physique that you present on the day.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to hear more.
0: Yeah, me too. Definitely excited to see. I think that they've just announced a show for 2020. in Sydney, so that's really exciting. I don't know yeah,
1: have... if that'll be a change of pace because normally it's the Gold Coast. Normally, yeah, so
0: something different. It'd be very exciting to follow along and just, yeah, I guess see how that federation evolves over time. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into the episode. Obviously, we wanted to touch on how to ensure that a coach is a good fit for you. I think the industry is unfortunately saturated with many misinformed coaches, and this can definitely affect a competitor's overall experience in the sport. I think bodybuilding has definitely continued to evolve since the days of you know eating chicken and broccoli for every meal, but I think many coaches are still using very misguided approaches. And if you don't trust your coach, it may be time to invest in another one. So I thought we would maybe just touch on, I guess, any bad experiences that we've had personally or even just a client who has come to you with a negative experience. Obviously, we don't want to name any names, but, um, yeah, I guess just touching on our experiences because not every experience is going to be a positive one and it's all it's all just learning at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I haven't had many coaches in my career of competing, even though I've been competing for a few years now. Um, so my first coach was um, referral. So basically someone that I knew and I had a good consult with them. I gelled with them really well and I worked with them for several years. So shout out to Joey Cantlin for helping me get to where I I, I am now and, and starting me on my... Also, my Joey company. was your first coach. He was my first coach, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> so um, So he helped me get my pro status and really... Um, I guess it helped me find my love and passion for competing. And um, I I did get to a point where I felt like I, after a couple of years, wanted to explore and I guess challenge myself. So I did part ways with him, but Joey and I are very close. We obviously judge together. We're still incredibly good friends. I respect him a hell of a lot um and we parted on really good terms which was fantastic uh he had a really good clear understanding as to what I was wanting to achieve for myself mm. and um so I did explore uh I guess uh trying to research and find a couple of coaches and I I only had one really uh bad experience myself with a potential coach and it was just not a good fit and unfortunately um that person um, that i had a consult with and aim to work with was just not a personality that would have gelled with me and i realized that it wasn't going to kind of work out and mm. they just were not a person that you know took that on board really well so i think there can be some personalities that maybe are not um always the best fit for someone and it's okay like yeah, and that's, though, like, and that's so fine funny. that's fine yeah. yeah but um that was definitely a bit of a red flag for me where I was like oh like just that, like because that was my first experience working more well, potentially working with someone else I was like oh I don't like is everyone like this so that kind of put me back a little bit And then um, the only other coach that I have worked with was I spent a lot of time researching coaches and looking at the elite level as to the federations that I compete in. And I wanted to kind of spend time making sure that I had someone that aligned with me, and I did align with a coach in the States. But um, after about six weeks or so, it came evident that we just weren't aligning, and it was nothing to do with their um themselves or anything like that it was just like I just I my, I wasn't really responding very well and um I, I didn't see that protocol working out in in the, in the way that I, I needed it to do for a prep so same thing like parted on really equal terms and clear understanding and since then I've been actually working with my partner Daniel so Daniel kind of co-coaches me so I have How's collective that dynamic Well, it's good because we have, like, I have collective input. I get to um, have a lot of say and drive as to what happens with my training programming, my nutrition, my goals, Um, because we're partners as well. He is obviously able to see me in all aspects as well, which is good. Um, But your best interest at heart. He does, yeah, but he picks me up in the sense of he sees me training, he'll correct me on something if he's not happy with something. Um, and like, I think at the end of the day, like I, after having a really fantastic experience with a great coach, that's really respectable in the, in the industry, and then having a couple that, yeah, they just weren't kind of like right fits. Mm -hmm. I, at that point was thinking, I will probably look at self-coaching. And that was something that I wanted to do for myself, but I was also in the mix of a prep at that point in time. So having, um, having my partner, Being that third person, well, not even third person, that other person to look more subjectively at me was really vital for me. And that's been really fantastic for my my growth since then. So I've really had a really overly negative experience outside of that one. And I have to say, a lot of my clients haven't really showcased. Anything highly negative, just I think a lot of miscommunication and maybe that going from both ways, either the client not feeling comfortable to express their needs and then also maybe the coach not having the experience to uh, communicate what the client needs. Um, Outside of that, really the only other things that I hear a little bit more of as being a bit more red flags out of like something I'll have in a consult is where people are not really asking the right questions uh, when it comes to that individualized coaching experience so you know if someone has a medical condition my first instinct is i need to find out more <laughs> like i need to find out whether i can work with this person what their needs are and i think that um a red flag or something that is not like a good experience with a coach um either from the coach's perspective or the client i think a lot of it comes from non uh, the ab- the inability to communicate well
0: yeah, no, I think I completely agree. Like effective communication is so important and you definitely want to be on the same page with your coach. Also, you want to be able to trust your coach. And I know that just from inquiries that I've received where people may be working with a coach currently, but they're getting my advice on something. And my first question is like, have you asked your coach this? Because like, why, why are you at the point where you don't feel comfortable asking your coach? And a lot of the times, their coaches will just tell them, you know, it is is that way because, you know, I've described it, you know, they're not actually able to provide any rationale before as to why they're providing any sort of protocol and I think that that's definitely a red flag which we will touch on further in the episodes because
1: there's definitely a lot of red flags. Have, have you had any yeah. bad experiences yourself or no? of any? I,
0: just, not, not overly so I've only worked with two coaches the first one I did have a good experience with um, I think after maybe not so much support in terms of a, a reverse diet as I wasn't provided with any information regarding a reverse diet so I didn't know that even meant but also that was many years ago i feel like reverse dieting wasn't even really spoken of at that time and then my second coach was my ex-boyfriend dan and yeah i had a really good experience probably a even better experience working i I was in a similar situation to you i was co-coaching so i decided that i was going to handle my own prep and then met dan i think a few months into my prep and like you said it's so good to just have that extra set of eyes I think you need
1: it like even though it we're both coaches there's so many things that you can lean into and give yourself leeway or be too hard on yourself and fall short of what is necessary yeah Mm, I think especially in a prep, I mean, towards the end,
0: it's very natural to experience some level of self-doubt. So I guess having that third party to be like, nope, you're on track. Everything's looking as it should. Whereas I was like, oh, I'm not lean enough or I'm not this or I'm not that. Whereas, you know, it was able to provide a logical and rational perspective when obviously I'm like crying because my I burnt my toast or something so not the most rational person towards the end of a prep so I think I mainly needed a coach in like the last few weeks of prep I feel like we were cruising for a long time um in just being able to manage my prep quite well with not much input but then yeah towards the end I think definitely that's when a coach is needed obviously you know being a coach yourself and having coach clients as well you already have you know that skill set and that knowledge but i definitely think having another set of eyes to just um yeah provide you with that reassurance is really really helpful so yeah me personally i don't think that i've really had any like really negative experiences both coaches that i worked with were really good um in terms of experiences of others that i've heard i have obviously heard some horror stories um just inquiries that i receive or uh, clients that i'm you know currently working with generally it's damage control after they've inquired for a season and i've told them that they would need a longer period of time in order to you know have a sustainable as sustainable as you can get (laughs) in terms of a prep um and generally people don't want to hear that they they want they have their mind set Mm -hmm. on a season and a date so they'll inquire with another coach and then generally will rebound afterwards because when you're losing you know such a significant amount of weight in a short period of time i feel like you're kind of just bound to um put that all back on afterwards if you are approaching your prep at a higher level of body fat and um it's just not sustainable. So then that comes into damage control. I guess when I'm receiving that inquiry and then I'm working with a client who maybe hasn't had the best experience with their prep, they've had to get really restrictive with their calorie intake, doing lots of cardio and then obviously gained a significant amount of weight afterwards. And then that's obviously where they tend to struggle with a lot of body image issues and just mindset stuff. So, Yeah, obviously not the best position to be working with someone in. And it's very difficult to get someone out of that frame of mind and get them back to, I guess, loving training and feeling confident in themselves again. So, um, yeah, be very careful, I guess, with who you work with. You always want your coach to have your best interests at heart. And I think that a lot of coaches out there just see bodybuilding as a dollar sign. And (laughs) if people are just so willing to take you on and not really have much regard for your own health and well-being, then that's definitely a red flag and definitely something that you need to consider. Obviously, it hurts to hear when a coach that you've inquired with says that you need more time in order to be successful in the sport, but they're not saying that for no reason. Personally, like if I'm told that I perceive that as a good thing because I'm like, okay, this coach clearly doesn't just want to take my money. They just, you know, want what's best for me. And they know that for me to actually have a successful prep, I'm going to need more time. But I think, yeah, that can definitely be hard to hear. I feel like anything in relation to, you know, body image is hard to hear. It's even like hard to deliver to tell someone, you know, that they need more time because they need to lose more weight. I mean, that's like an uncomfortable thing to say to anyone, I feel. But, you know, with this sport, it's, it's difficult because you have to be honest and you're trying to strive for a certain aesthetic which is not sustainable and it's going to require a lot of time and effort so I'm definitely very honest with anyone who inquires with me and you are the same so yeah even though that may steer some clients away at the end of the day like you know we only want what's best for the people that we're working with.
1: I think it also goes the other way as well. I think Mm -hmm. it can be a bit of an issue when you are too close with someone that you're working with too, Uh because it becomes too much like a friendship and they lose an element of respect both ways, not just like one way or the other. And it can be really hard to make decisive decisions that don't have um, like outside or other feelings or thoughts yeah. because you don't want to hurt a friendship or hurt a relationship mm-hmm. and it might mean that you don't make the best decision. So I think it's also important to recognise where a working for sh- for a relationship is not effective uh, for you, if it's leaning too far towards a friendship, because yeah. at the end of the day, you want to have a, a good collaborative relationship, but there needs to be an element of authority. And yeah. if it's leaning too far into it being too equal, then you know who's the coach, who's the client, and yeah. or is that becoming a beneficial environment for you to succeed so I think that that, that's also a hard thing to come to terms with and maybe you might be with someone that is kind of leaning like that Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you want to work with someone and they are a friend maybe just having a bit of an idea of will you work well together and will you still look at them in the same eyes if they're your coach um, and be able to take that away and, and look at them like, yes, you're my friend from other aspects, but no, you're my coach in this instance.
0: Yeah, I think it ultimately depends on the person as well. And I know that so many people that I spoke with when I was working with Dan while we were dating they were like, oh my God, like, I don't know how you like have a boyfriend as a coach. Like I could never do that with my partner. And, you know, it really just depends like on your dynamic, obviously like have a lot of respect for him. So that was never an issue with us. Like, um, Mm -hmm. so I, I personally never had a problem, but you know, other people are like, I could never, yeah, I wouldn't take my partner seriously or I wouldn't, you know, work well with my partner in that way. And like, that's completely understandable so I think each to their own definitely but yeah obviously even with friends I feel like so many of my clients who are competitors have become such good friends of mine so yeah (laughs) you obviously want to you know have that working relationship as well as that friendship and just make sure that you distinguish
1: between the two yeah you don't like draw you draw the line somewhere
0: Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, I feel like I probably don't (laughs) mind because all of my clients I'm like such good friends with. And, you know, when you're working with someone so closely and so long term, it's hard not to establish that friendship. And of course, you know, you're establishing that rapport. So it's hard not to, I guess, form those connections. I feel like so many of my closest friends, like, either started out as clients or they like still are my clients <laughs> so um it's nice when you have that dynamic yeah but you obviously want to make sure both parties are happy and that there isn't that um
1: yeah I think it's just becomes a problem when it's like leaning too far as like it's too too much of a friendship where you just don't get taken seriously when it comes yeah, to giving the, the right advice yeah or being yeah. able to Say like, hey, this is not like working. Like, you need to be really on mm-hmm. on board with this, or like, you need to pick up your game. If someone is is not taking that seriously, because they're looking at it, they're like, oh, I'm you're my friend, I can push the boundaries. Then yeah, that's probably not a a good on the tough love. Having, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I
0: think it just all depends on the person, and I think with experience, you're gonna find what works for you, what doesn't. Um, but yeah, there's definitely so many red flags in the industry, and I think. With so much misinformation in the sport that is just obviously constantly evolving it can be difficult to know better especially as a first timer with next to no knowledge about bikini competitions because how do you know what is normal I was just lucky that when I first hired a coach you know he taught me about macros and we had a flexible dieting approach but I'm thinking if I went into working with a coach and maybe they had an approach that was like a meal plan with no car Like I've heard some horror stories, so you know, like people not having carbs for X amount of weeks or extremely low fat or whatever it may be. Um, you know, how are you meant to know any better? I suppose yeah. you're completely new to the industry. You're obviously investing in this coach for their knowledge and expertise. So, yeah, you you've got to have that element of trust that they know what they're doing. And I know that when I was competing, I'm like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Um. So, you know, if people are just following that advice blindly and not being rational about, you know, their decision-making, then I think you can definitely run into issues. I think if something is in your mind ringing a little bit of a red flag, then you should be able to ask your coach about that and they should be able to provide you with an explanation for why they've provided a certain protocol. So I think, you know, obviously... You're placing a certain level of trust that your coach can and will deliver on what is promised with competing. And when it comes to overall health and well-being, I think it is best to just do your research. Mm. I think you owe it to yourself and your body to investigate further, ask questions, check referrals, and ensure your coach is actually a good fit for you. Like, like you said, you had a consult with a coach and you're like, not a good fit for me. But what if you had invested, you know, however much money to work with this coach only to find out, oh, we're really not a good fit. Like I think it's so important to make sure that you're, you know, maybe even messaging clients of theirs and checking their experience, working with them. I know that so many of my clients get messaged from other girls just asking on what their experience has been like working with me, which is so fair. Obviously you want to make sure that, um, you know, <laughs> social media is obviously a highlight really. You want to make sure that you're actually, hiring a coach who knows what they're doing and who has the referrals to back it up. So how do you know if your coach is a good fit and what qualities should you be looking for? When you were first looking for a coach, obviously it was a referral from someone else. So word of mouth, how did you go about it? Like what made you choose Joey? Did you have an initial consult with him? What were you initially looking for when you first started your competing journey?
1: So I did have an in-person consult because back then social media wasn't that big and Mm -hmm.
0: It's a, um, our day. Like it's a bit different <laughs> a million like,
1: yeah. <laughs> so like I think that's the best way to go about it is actually having a in person or a video or a phone call so that way you're able to clearly see if you guys align mm. if it's a safe place for you to be able to ask the questions that you need to get answers for um get a bit more clarity um and actually feel comfortable in doing that I think if you are just signing a contract and doing an email like you don't really know the person that you're potentially working with so I think that there's a lot of power in actually having a proper consult and you can be so open about it in the sense of just be like hey I'm just like shopping around at the moment trying to find someone that will work well with me you know what 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 will your coaching kind of maybe provide me or like what what do you think would be a good fit for me and like I think that In in a way, like you you're both selling each other, right? The The coach is obviously um, selling their selves on how they're going to be able to work the best with you and what their coaching style is like, whether that's a good fit. But you're also selling yourself to the coach to know whether you're going to be coachable as well. So it works both ways. And I think if you are just like texting or emailing a a potential coach and be like, yep, let's work together, you don't have that aspect to do that and come to a really good starting point. So I think if you have the ability to, to schedule a consult, do it, definitely do it. And if you're not hundred percent sure who you want to maybe align with, you know, just be upfront and just be like, Hey, I'm just kind of like doing a couple of consults at the moment. Um, be really respectful of their time because not everyone obviously um know has charged consults too so that could be a coach providing you free time to potentially work with them so i think it's nice also to be upfront about that and um you know let them know if it's not a good fit i think that's also really important because it gives them more clarity as to okay maybe um that just didn't work because of you know you guys didn't align with the goal or maybe you didn't have the right personalities that work together you know give them so
0: many other issues. issues
1: Yeah, it's it's I think it's positive for both ways as well because it gives the opportunity for the coach to kind of know okay what what areas can I work on so that way I align with more people or is there something that I'm not providing or is there something I need to work on or is there an area that maybe I need to build more experience in and then it also gives the coach um the sorry, the potential client the ability or yourself the ability to you know thank that person for their time and uh, be respectful. And um, no doubt you're probably going to see this person backstage as well. So you want to make sure that you keep that just a really nice, friendly kind of atmosphere so that way it's not awkward. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's definitely no reason for any awkwardness. Just because you have a consult with someone doesn't mean that you know, you're entitled to
1: anything.
0: So I think, yeah, definitely shop around. There's no harm in doing so. And ultimately you want to make sure that if you're putting your health in the hands of someone else, you want to ensure that
1: they know what they're doing. For yeah, moment. ask them what their qualifications 100%. are. Ask them what... what, what um, what they've done in regards to education to get them to be where they need to be for um, their ability to provide you with nutritional information. Like mm. both you and I are obviously accredited with Sports Nutrition Australia. So we have both completed an IOPN Advanced Diploma in Sports Nutrition. We're both, like, ensured to be able to work within this scope mm-hmm. of uh, people yeah. uh, but not everyone is unfortunately so make sure that you are aligning yourself with the people that are able to provide you with the best and safe recommendations to to do okay. the sport and there's nothing wrong with asking hey like what are your qualifications you know what's your experience how long have you been doing this? You know, mm-hmm. have you been working with clients in this federation? Like yeah. what's your personal experience? I think it's a lot of power in also being a competitor yourself as a coach, because 100%. you can have that empathetic uh, relationship and understanding. So you you can give more insight that is anecdotal as well as professional.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's so important. I think being a bodybuilding coach without having ever done a show would just be impossible like you just wouldn't understand at all um you know even though i've competed you know a few years ago now i can definitely like resonate with my clients when they're struggling because i've been there done that i know exactly you what can it's see like
1: it too you can almost uh forecast it because you yeah. know what's kind of potentially around the corner and Yeah, i think if you um working with maybe a PT that maybe doesn't have that experience it can be hard not to say that you shouldn't work with someone that doesn't have experience there everyone should have a fair opportunity to everyone starts somewhere yeah, at the exactly. end of the day like I mean. you can't just only work with people choose to only work with people that have the the utmost success, like everyone's got to work towards something, but you just need to kind of um have more understanding as to what their experience level is and um are you both willing to do that collectively, like together? And are you okay with maybe um like learning together through that through that I journey,
0: think as maybe. long as the coach is upfront and honest about that. So I've had you know, obviously experience with WNBF and ICN and IMBA and federations like that, but I hadn't had experience in IFBB. So the client that I was working with that was doing ICN who also wanted to do IFBB, I was very open and honest about the fact that I hadn't coached a client to that federation. So I think having that, you know, communication and dialogue with your client is so important. She, you know, wanted to work with me still, even though I didn't necessarily have experience in that federation but I'm always very upfront and honest if I do receive inquiries you know if they're working towards a specific federation so say WBFF I personally at this stage haven't had a client do WBFF which now FMG but I would refer them on to, you know, another coach who specializes in that federation. And I see nothing wrong with that. I'm willing to pull my hand up and say, you know, I haven't had a client compete with that federation yet. um. So maybe you would feel more confident working with another coach who, you know, has more experience in that area. So ultimately, you know, I just want, you know, the best outcome for, you know, whoever's potentially inquiring or, or all of my clients. So I'm definitely going to be open and honest about my, you know, strengths and my areas of expertise as opposed to areas that maybe I don't, you know, have, have as much experience in. But it's the same you know, I'm definitely like, very um, willing and open to yes. learn more and to take
1: clients to those federations.
0: But obviously I want to make sure that they are comfortable with that as
1: well. Yeah, it's the same thing if you have someone who just has a different category than maybe that you work mm-hmm. so So, um, like, both of us don't really work with male competitors, but okay. I have assisted male competitors and the same token so I'm not opposed to that I'm just going to be open about the fact that I don't have a lot of experience of it but it is obviously similar to a degree and um like I'm obviously a judge so I can understand the criteria of male criteria just Mm. means I have to apply myself in a different method and look I will be open and I'll learn at the same time so um Like, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think if you are wanting to work with someone that might not necessarily have a history of working with competitors. Just make sure that they have that solid education to support you where you 100%. need to. And, and it's obviously like licensed and insured uh, to be able to do so. And then, like, you both have that agreement. So, like, cool, like that you guys are going to do this as an adventure together. You're going to learn together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So, I think obviously knowledge and credentials very important. I also think communication. So, you want to make sure that you're able to have that open communication with your coach. And as I said before, your coach should be able to answer the hard questions they should be able to provide information as to why they prescribe certain protocols there's you know I've heard so many stories of coaches just providing the exact same you know meal plan or macros or whatever it may be for every single client everything is prescribed the exact same way so you want to make sure
1: that everything is being a lot of weird stuff like (laughs) no fruit and like like removing food groups and stuff which
0: no um, carbs during peak week which I found bizarre
1: (laughs) Um, yeah I've definitely heard some some
0: very odd misguided approaches.
1: To- I mean, like obviously there's like reasons why we might do a protocol. We always look at things from the perspective of there's two sides of the story. So maybe we don't know yeah. the other side of the story. Maybe we don't yeah. know why they have had to get to the extreme. We only know maybe what the client has mm-hmm. informed us and maybe there's a whole backstory as to why they, they're not having calves. But I think when it comes to removing food groups, unless you have a severe allergy or intolerance you should be diversifying your diet and even though yes calories get low and maybe you are limited the food sources that you have you should be able to try to accommodate for most food groups um, yeah. where possible at least where possible or um you know it, it shouldn't be like i'm dieting now i'm just going to remove all of this <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely you're yeah. going to wreak havoc on your gi tract once you start yeah. introducing those foods again So also in terms of communication, I think accessibility is really important. You want to make sure that your coach is actually responsive and responding in a timely manner. I think there's nothing worse than when you're not able to contact your coach or you're, um, you know, getting really delayed responses. And I'm not talking like a couple hours. I mean like days.
1: I've actually heard of, this is one that's just come to mind. I've heard of a week. A week. Wow. Yeah. (laughs)
0: I like, I completely respect, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I completely respect coaches, obviously, having their business hours and you know, setting those boundaries. I think that that's very important. Otherwise, we just would never switch off. But you definitely want to make sure that you're getting responded to in a timely manner. You don't want to be waiting an entire week or two to receive a response from your coach. I think that's also why it's important to have a pre prep phase where you work with your coach to not only ensure that they're a good coach and that you have that great communication, that great rapport, but also just to ensure that, yeah, I guess you work well together and that you can trust that they will take you to stage and that you already have that working relationship. I think also um, what I look for in a coach is just interaction. So I guess like how they interact with their clients, I always receive a lot of positive feedback and how I interact with my girls backstage, on show days. Obviously, like, I build a really close relationship with all of my clients and competitors. So I think it's really important to just watch, I guess, how your coach interacts with their athletes and also reaching out to current and, you know, maybe even past clients for referrals to check their experiences. Like you said, you worked with Joey purely based on a referral. So, you know, someone's had a good experience and
1: that's I actually think that most of my clients have come from referrals as well. So, whether that's someone they immediately know, someone they've seen on social media. I've also had people that have also reached out and seen me with my clients backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, let like yourself see the connection that and the attentiveness that I've had yeah, with my sure. clients. Um, so there, I think there's a lot of power in um, what you showcase um, and I'll be honest, I'm not the best on social media in the sense of like I'm not a very outspoken person and it can be really hard when you're an online coach to be able to show that you have a fantastic relationship with clients and you have a lot of value when you are maybe not as... Not introverted, yeah. Exactly, Um, but I think that goes to show that if you do obviously reach out to someone that they have worked with, no doubt they're going to give you with a more personable response as to how they they worked well with someone. And that's probably giving you more value too, because you can find more about that person and what their individual needs were and how they were accommodating for that. Um so I think that, you know, there's no harm in that. I've also had people reach out and actually say, like, hey, is it okay if I like tell someone about working with you or I leave with positive. <laughs> like like <yeah. laughs> but like I think um or like people have said, oh, I've heard from so-and-so or so-and-so gave me your details. So I think like word of mouth and referral is probably one of the best ways that you could align with someone mm-hmm. outside of maybe seeing uh, a, a- coach's results at a competition so if you're going to competitions obviously you're going to see the results of their clients Mm
0: -hmm. if
1: it's aligning with like what your goals are then obviously that might be good to kind of look at that and maybe see if you can you know maybe get in touch with them um, find out a little bit more obviously that um, you know client results are great and all but it doesn't showcase maybe how the coach and client relationship works so remembering like you know someone might just be a really really great uh competitor this is have great genetic potential maybe Mm -hmm. the coach and them just didn't work very well you don't know until you find out more information Mm -hmm. and do your research and like so so sometimes it's not always based on client results so it it, like you said it's good to reach out to others and gain more information and then you know see if you like what you're hearing Mm -hmm. um, and if you feel like Maybe someone that you know has a similar personality or similar personal circumstances as you, like, and you know that they're working with someone, they might actually work really well with you as well. So find people that also align with your values.
0: For sure. And I also think client retention is really important. I think, although while clients, you know, come and go for various reasons. I think if a client's if a coach's client retention is poor there's likely a reason for it so don't be afraid to reach out to you know obviously reach out to present clients but maybe even reach out to clients that potentially don't work with them anymore um you know to potentially avoid making a mistake of investing in a poor quality service or maybe they've had a really horrible experience obviously if someone's had a bad experience it doesn't necessarily mean that you will but if there are you know several horror stories that you've been hearing about a coach um it's pretty safe to say that the flag is red for a reason Season. So I definitely think, um, yeah, reaching out to clients that potentially may not work with them anymore um, is is a really beneficial way to see if a coach is providing a good service or not. And I also think just having a coach that's invested in your success, um, you want to make sure that, you know, they value your goals just as much as you value them, if not more so, you know what I mean? So I think to have a coach like really just want the best for you and want you to succeed is so important
1: yeah I have to say my, my clients probably know I have high expectations
0: yeah
1: I express that in my my consults which is probably why I showcase um like a game plan like when I do a yeah. consult I map out the next six months so that yeah. way I can from the get-go show you how invested we need to be and how we're going to work towards whatever that person's goal is. So I think if you um, get a really good response and good feeling from someone from the get-go as to like, yep, they really want to make sure you get to the goal that you want and showing you how to get there, um, that can be really, really powerful. And I think it is a little bit underrated because I think people neglect looking at that Um, and focus more on like oh yeah they 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 get results they win shows um but you also need to to know how you're going to get there and how that person's going to help you get there at the same time so the coach is going to be the one that is pushing you to make sure you get there it's it's Mm -hmm. they're like the the driver you're the engine so you know you you got to make sure that you have someone that is pushing you in the right direction and giving you the right directions if they're you know not doing that and they're like yeah we want you to win but like they're not really providing you with what you need then maybe that's not the kind of investment that you want they're probably just looking at it for client like uh um, yeah. like placings like like almost like a um oh yeah i've got 20 pro card wins. yeah something yeah. like that like We've it's not just yeah.
0: money you know i have x amount of competitors competing this season i personally cannot deal with you know more than a certain amount of competitors each season because it's just too much there's so much obviously involved behind the scenes with getting a person from an off season to stage so personally i can only handle so many clients and i would never exceed that because i know that that would just be me not providing the best service that i possibly can to my clients because you simply can't work well i personally cannot work with that many clients each season without you know Compromising the service that I provide because a lot, a lot is involved in yeah. um, a competition yeah. season.
1: I think um, it's it's great insightfulness for uh, our listeners to kind of for the perspective of like that's a good thing. Like mm-hmm. I think um sometimes we look into maybe working with someone and go, oh man, they've got a team. Like they got like twenty competitors all together. One show looks so cool. How am I to be part of that? Yeah. But are you going to get the same level of attention as every other person there? Or would you benefit with someone that is more invested working with a smaller group Mm. um, and you have a better relationship? So like, obviously like there's pros and cons both ways, but um, look at what you feel like you need. And if you are someone that requires a bit more attention, maybe that more personalized service is better for you and, working with someone that likes to work in a smaller group or for a season is like more ideal for you because yeah. you feel like you're getting that, that one-on-one attention and uh, very clear instruction, you know, what you're doing, all those kinds of things. I think um, a lot of people do also very well working with a large group too. So uh, there are different absolutely. approaches that, you know, really thrive in different areas as well. Like I am also like you like I like to be able to be very attentive to my clients so you know there's a lot of back and forth a lot of extra phone calls and all kinds of things that happen through many weeks leading into a show and there's a lot of um, background work that goes into making sure that you are like really where you need to be in a really good place Mm -hmm. so I think um, you know making sure that you work with someone like we've talked about already like their attentiveness that they're getting back to you in a timely manner they're invested in you they have a good communication they can give you clear understanding like all of these lead into like ultimately you being the best supportive individual for your goal like and, on on the, and, and like if you observe someone and um at a show and they're working with someone you know you want to make sure that they look like they're receiving the level of care and attention that you would expect as well. Um, So, yeah, I think they all kind of feed into one, right, and it's all just about making sure you get the support you need.
0: Mm. And I think also if someone, if a coach does work with a large volume of athletes, looking at the standard as a whole with all those competitors I think is really important. Because like you said, there are so many coaches that work with a large volume of athletes and they're all at such a high standard. And, you know, for them personally, that might be, you know, that makes, may be very effective for them to work with a larger volume of clients um so yeah I would definitely look at the standard of their athletes obviously you want to make sure that that standard is being maintained across all athletes in their team and not just a couple of people um but yeah I don't I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing for a coach to have a lot of competitors no, no. at I all think yeah
1: even like um if you're doing your research long term as well you could even look at the um the ability of the the client to maintain a really good standard in an off season when they're not in prep too because obviously that's going to showcase more of the standard of the coach over the long term and that's obviously yeah. that productive time where you're going to be investing a lot more effort and hard yeah. work so um to over, obviously showcase your physique the best so mm-hmm. i think um like there's always going to be in, in a in a Corp and like a cohort of, of clients, there's always going to be some individuals that don't align with the norm because maybe they have different goals or a different journey. Um, but I think if you are looking at it from a standard, be like, yep, this is the stand, like this person provides a standard, and that's the standard that I want to uh, work towards, whether it's a standard of their level of competitiveness in regards re- disregarding placings as well, because we know subjective. They, That person um, might have a fantastic physique um, and not be awarded just because maybe there are other facets or someone else that was just a little bit better on the day doesn't disregard that they've got a fantastic physique and put a lot of hard work in, had a really good relationship with their coach. Um, But also making sure that that standard applies to how they communicate their relationship as well. Um, The enjoyment I think is a really big one. So making sure that that person has enjoyment through the course of that period as well like well, I think we hear a lot of why well, I have heard a lot of things um, from clients and uh, consults where you know people don't have that level of enjoyment uh, working with someone and it can come from a variety of different reasons so you know do you actually enjoy working with that person do you also feel like you are becoming a better athlete From when you started, like, are you learning? Are you constantly evolving and you're developing new skills? I think that's also really important. I know that that's something that I stress is a lot of education. I want my clients to walk away from me eventually and be like, wow, I've learned all of this about myself. I have developed nutritional literacy. I understand how to train optimally and maximize my training. I understand, like, the value of adequate training programming and can, can apply myself and you know if I don't follow a training program I can at least know how to train now yeah. so like there's there's elements that you want to work towards and if someone provides that level of standard um, and that's a value for you cool get in touch with them and find out more if you know you see someone you're like oh they look like a good coach but you know they might not be uh, valuing certain aspects of what you think is important uh, to work with them then okay maybe that's not a good fit
0: yeah, absolutely. I think ultimately it comes down to rapport, having that rapport with your coach and also with your client and just ensuring that it's a mutually beneficial relationship. You want to both, you know, enjoy working together. Cause at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> if it's a miserable relationship, then why would either party want to be in it? So um, yeah, I personally just love, you know, the clients that I work with and I've formed such great friendships with them and, you know, I work with such incredible women. So You know, you just want to make sure at the end of the day that your values align and that it's a good fit for both of you, not just the client.
1: Mm. I think the the best thing about coaching is when you get some feedback from someone and it's showcasing their growth and development and that self-awareness that they have become a better person, regardless Mm. of whether that's a physical change or it's a mental or emotional change. I think yeah. that's the most powerful thing is just seeing someone have potential and then actualize it that that's honestly the best thing ever and that's i've got to say that's got to be the coolest thing and when you get that kind of feedback as a coach it's like it just right makes everything yeah, lights you it, up it's yeah. so good
0: <laughs> yeah and i think also um i guess just like working with clients long-term, just, yeah, I guess seeing their growth is, yeah, really powerful and just seeing how far they've come. So I'm very passionate about having, you know, as as much of a sustainable sort of prep as you can have. And I know for me just how much I grew personally um, as a competitor and how rewarding bodybuilding was for me. And I've heard some absolute horror stories from people just having such negative either experiences or outcomes with the sport and it really just puts the sport in such a bad light whereas I'm just yeah so passionate about people having a really positive experience with bodybuilding because I know how transformative it can be if you go about it in the right way so I think that that's why it's so important to make sure that you do find the right, right coach for you because I feel like it'll really Either make or break you as an athlete, mm-hmm. and if you've had a negative experience with bodybuilding, it's very unlikely that you'll go back to it. And um,
1: I've yeah. heard that too. Yeah, it's sad. It's really sad when you see someone that has potential and they just like no, nah, can't do this again mm-hmm. because of something that could have been fixed by you know doing just a little bit more research and finding out if whether someone was a good fit or not I mm. think that there's also this fear of uh, letting people down so yeah I think it's important to recognize when something is not working for you and it's okay it's okay to say it have those hard conversations and if you're respectful and give good reasonings um, you know that person is going to be understanding and, and wish you the best I think yeah. that is something that holds people back from maybe Um, aligning themselves with a a better suited person or out of of fear of disappointing someone or you know causing conflict but at the end of the day you're the one that's paying this person to help you so like if you're not happy and you're not wanting to invest your time and money towards someone that doesn't work with you then it's it's probably in your best interest and their best interest that they also know as well because then that person is also aware of opportunities for them to grow as a coach and provide better value. Um, and like, as you said, like you want to make sure you walk away from this experience wanting to go back and enjoy it and like looking at it from the avenue of like this was well worth my time and investment, yeah, um, the sacrifices that I made. And the other thing that I also just want to stress is we've talked about it before about yeah. appropriate timelines to find a coach. Make sure you don't rush it before like like right now is like prime time for people to start preps in season A.
0: Yeah.
1: You should have done your research if you're wanting to work with someone for season A, for example. It like you want to make sure that you're not rushing into it and needing to find a coach. At the time, you should be starting prep. So That comes
0: down to lack of knowledge, really. I mean, how, how are people to know how long a prep actually takes? Like I've had yeah. um, you know, potential clients reach out to me and they're like, yep, I want to compete in the show in eight weeks, not realizing that that's actually not a realistic time frame at all. But I guess if you're new to the industry, you haven't competed before, how would you know?
1: That's true. That's very so, true.
0: Yeah, it, it is really hard. Obviously, I think, I guess, following people in the industry will give you a bit more insight into what a realistic time frame is. I feel like there's a lot more knowledge out there now for people to, I guess, have more insight into what's actually involved in the sport. And we know now that it's not just a matter of weeks. It's definitely a matter of months, even years for some people. One Mm. of my clients I recently stepped on stage, Zoe Bannister, she, she, her intention wasn't to compete when she first signed up with me, but we worked together for two years from her, you know, initially starting with me, to her getting on stage and you know it takes time she uh, was a high level of body fat when she came to me first so getting to stage required her losing 20 kilos so she didn't even consider a prep until she had lost around 14 kilos and then that was our starting point for a prep so it's definitely going to take time especially if you don't maybe have the most ideal starting point and it's it's very important not to rush this process because you are definitely going to rebound just as hard if you um i guess give yourself a really unrealistic time frame and that's definitely not how you want to approach a prep because i feel like it gives the sport such a bad name because people don't associate themselves with having any blame if they have a negative experience in the sport you know maybe a negative experience with the coach yet bodybuilding as a whole is um I guess, blamed for it. Whereas the sport when done correctly is, you know, so rewarding. I feel like personally bodybuilding has absolutely changed like the trajectory of my life. Before I competed, I was working in an admin role. I was considering going back to uni. I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. And then when I got extremely passionate about bodybuilding it just ignited my passion for health and fitness in general and then I wanted to become a coach and you know now I've been coaching since 2018 and I haven't looked back so I'm like my life could have been completely different Mm -hmm. if I didn't compete um so yeah it can definitely be such a rewarding endeavor if you go about it the right way but it can also be a very negative experience if you aren't um, I guess, willing to do the research or also be a re- realistic with the time frame in which you're wanting to prep
1: for. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I guess maybe how we should phrase it is if you are looking at competing or aligning yourself with a new coach, be open to to changing your views and timeline.
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think it's it's hard to hear obviously when you've got a show in mind and you're really excited to work work towards it, but, yeah, I mean, this. I always say this to clients. I'm like, the stage is always going to be there. Oh, like, yes. you know, I've got X, Y, Z um, commitments around this time of year. It's going to make my prep so much harder. I like, compete the following season. Like the stage is not going anywhere. So, um, yeah, I guess just make sure that you're in the best position, not only mentally, physically, financially, whatever else, to compete because it can definitely um, take its toll on many aspects of, of your life if you're not in a good headspace.
1: Yeah, and I think even if you are having discussions with potential coaches, and maybe someone says to you, "Yep, yeah, we can we can start for next season," and then you have another consult with someone else and they say no, mm-hmm. I think it's good to look at it from the view of who is providing me the best rationale for it to be supportive for me to have enjoyment, because it's very easy for you to make the decision. Oh they want to work with me now but they want to wait I'll go with the person that maybe wants to do it now because that aligns a little bit better with what I had in mind but that might not be the right choice so just be open to take on board both opinions if you're kind of shopping around Um, because like you I've definitely had to have consults or take on board people and their timeline hasn't been what they expected but been very clear as to you know what would be the best and their best interests and nine times out of 10 ends up working in their favor because they've allowed themselves more opportunities to work on areas that they need an improvement. And it might not even be an area that they're they're aware of, but with more understanding education, it it becomes highlighted that, oh, okay, yeah, I definitely wasn't ready. Um, So I think people will provide value um, to you if you're open. So, you know, be yeah, like when you're when you're reaching out to coaches or, you know, working with a coach now and even thinking about a projection towards your next comp date, um, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you're being aware of everything can um, taking on board your coach's feedback as to whether you, they think it's a good decision or not for what you need. Um, and then also make it sure it aligns with you too. Yeah.
0: And it also might not have anything mm-hmm. in relation to being too high level of body fat like I've. Told clients to have, or potential clients to have longer preps or give themselves more time just due to maybe their relationship with food isn't the best. Or, I've done
1: the same thing. Yeah,
0: they, yeah. They're yeah. not in the best position metabolically. Maybe, you know, their current calorie intake is around 15, 1600. That is not an ideal starting point to start a prep because you can only really go down from that point. So you just want to make sure, I guess, that you're in a really good position in terms of your metabolism and that you have spent a significant amount of time in a surplus you also want to make sure that you're, you know, in a good headspace in terms of body image and mindset and things like that. If you have really low self-esteem and you um, aren't very confident within yourself, a prep is not going to fix that. It's probably actually going to make it a lot worse. So you just want to make sure that your coach, whoever that may be, is taking a holistic approach and they're seeing things from all perspectives. They're not just seeing you as a dollar sign or thinking, you know, you have a great physique. So we can, we can get you to that point. You know, there are so many other aspects that need to be considered before you go into a prep. Um, because yeah, you may have a great physique and, you know, you may be able to prep successfully and probably do well on the day. But if it's going to be extremely damaging to your mental health, um, if it's going to ruin you financially or whatever else, um, or, you know, really um, affect your relationship with food. Um, I see so many, you know, instances where people have such disordered, um, I guess, relationships with food after competing because they haven't um, worked on their relationship with food mm. prior to stepping on stage. And, you know, eating disorders are not something that you want to mess with. Um, and I think people can almost use that as a guy's to hide disordered eating habits because when, you know, when you think about it, competing is very disordered with your eating habits. Obviously it's very intentional and you're doing it for a purpose, but I think people can almost use that to disguise the fact that they have those disordered habits because they can use it under the guise of oh I'm in prep so that's why I'm doing this um so yeah I think you just want to make sure that you've established that relationship with a coach so that they can I guess be aware of these warning signs and that's why I like to work with a client um you know like you that we have a pre-prep phase so I I guess know more about them I know how we work together I know how we respond i know what they struggle with and
1: um and sometimes and like we've talked about this before like mm-hmm. um sometimes you're not aware of these things until a stressful environment is placed on you yeah. and that means that maybe you don't know yourself and mm-hmm. also your coach is not even like seeing those signs until it, you present them in a, in a different change or protocol so mm-hmm. like even Though someone might have fantastic awareness and uh, understand the signs, sometimes they don't present, and it can be uh, really, really challenging to um, continue to work through a a phase or a prep if you don't stop and like go back and fix those things so if you have a a relationship with your coach and they just keep pushing you to keep going then that's not a good it's not a good thing like you you would really uh do better to make sure that your coach is going to be the one that makes that just decision if things are not working well and it's affecting your health and well-being and they can make that decision to be like no we need to move away from this so we can work on this Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that is also something that should be highly uh uh, well not even awarded but that's like that's not even the right word but acknowledge that that's a good quality to have at a coach yeah
0: yeah, of course. That's not them dismissing you and saying you'll never get no. on stage, but that's actually them. That's showing them care. Yeah. yeah your well being above all else. Because at the end of the day, why would that, why would winning a trophy and getting on stage come above your mental health or anything else that you're struggling with? So, yeah, you want to make sure that your client, uh, that your coach not only cares about your competing endeavors, but also just about you as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I think a comp prep coach can either ignite your fire to keep competing or deter you from ever stepping foot on stage ever again. So I think it's so important to choose wisely. We really hope that you found this episode insightful. We want to make sure that you are having a really positive experience should you choose to compete because ultimately it is such a rewarding endeavor. And we want to make sure that all of those red flags that people experience with coaches are avoided because they ultimately can be if you know what you're looking for in a coach but if you enjoyed this episode make sure that you share it to your story and tag us and if you're feeling extra kind we would really appreciate if you left us a review Uh, we hope that you have a great day and see you next week bye bye